All right. Hi, Matt. Hi, Kel. We are here at the Soul Care Podcast, and today it's just me and Matt. I'm Kelly Laporta here, and Elaine is actually not in the office, so we're going to do this podcast, the two of us. Mom's gone. Mom's gone. We're throwing a party on the weekend. (laughs) We'll see how this goes. Great. And we thought um, the topic that we wanted to talk about was just deconstruction and faith transitions. And this is something that we're both seeing a lot in our practice and in our communities. And we just think that it's really relevant. Um, More and more, we're encountering people who are in some sort of profoundly significant spiritual transition. And we say profoundly significant because for an, in order for someone to seek out therapy for an issue, it has to create enough distress that they feel like they need a professional to help them. So we wanted to do an episode on this subject and view it from a mental, emotional, relational, well-being perspective. Um, just right off the bat, we want to let you know that we have no agendas for any of our clients' spirituality except that they feel that they are living it out in a way that brings them closer to the mental, emotional, relational place that they desire. Um, But with that being said, many people feel that they don't fit in with their current religious community or they feel alone, that their beliefs don't match the environment that they're in, and it can be tremendously distressing as they are moving from one particular way of viewing themselves and their spirituality into another. What seems to happen is that people encounter these complexities that they never imagined they would face, and when it hits them, that's when their former way of seeing the world changes, and it can be simultaneously a very painful and wonderful experience that is so, so significant that it makes it difficult for them to stay where they are. So, we're going to discuss this. All right, Matt? All right. Let's All do right. this. That so, was beautifully said, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, Matt, um, tell me, what are some common difficult experiences that you feel like you've seen um, of people making these faith transitions? What are you noticing in your practice? Yeah, I think what's so common to see are individuals experiencing some very common symptoms of grief and loss. Mm -hmm. So um, I would conceptualize deconstruction, spiritual transitions, um, almost primarily as a grief issue, Mm -hmm. right? There's, There's this coherent worldview that people have about the way they see themselves, the way they see the rest of the world, the way they see God, and it creates a very safe way to contextualize almost everything that happens in their mm, life, right? Yeah. And so people have this idea that um, God idea. is leading them where they need to go, that everything is happening for a reason, mm. um, that all the events in their life are, are being used and pulled together to create some sort of end um, <laughs> that their God is in control of. And um, when people go through deconstruction, they really lose that. Mm. And, um, and that can be uh, that and that is a grief issue now that's such a profound loss Mm -hmm. now within loss it's very common to experience symptoms like anxiety Mm -hmm. and having a a sense of uncertainty that something is never going to be the same again and so that can be very anxiety inducing sure it can also be people can also experience profound feelings of depression yeah right and and hopelessness right that Mm -hmm that the way that they saw the world is now forever changed and they don't know what to do with that. Yes. And um, the sense of connection that they felt, they may mm-hmm. never experience again. Yeah. And so um, symptoms of depression can also mm-hmm. be really common. Wow, yeah, I've heard some people um, equate it to a death of sorts, like losing a, a best friend. Oh, totally. I think we, you know, the idea that God is 
your closest friend or your closest confidant or the one who's always there is a very common experience. And so to feel like that has slipped away or you lose that um, is just profoundly distressful. Sure. Or even parts of that. I mean, it doesn't even have to be the whole thing, even if you know certain tenets of your faith are being shaken a little bit that can feel largely disorienting too totally. yep yeah hmm. so largely a grief issue you would say yeah i think it's good to categorize it within that now obviously okay. i don't want to dismiss anyone's subjective experience everyone's going to have their own process with deconstruction and sure. faith transitions mm-hmm. and so um oftentimes you know grief can manifest in a lot of different ways mm. and so um, of course, there's also going to be, there, there might be anger in there, there mm-hmm. might be resentment in there, um, there could be a lot of other emotional experiences, mm-hmm. but I think they all kind of are under the, the heading of, of grief and loss. Would you say that some people who go through deconstruction experience less grief and loss, and maybe for them it's very liberating and empowering? Yeah, totally. I think it, it almost depends on what their relationship was with their um, religious life spiritual mm-hmm. life before right and okay. so if, if if you had a really strong attachment to your spirituality and mm-hmm. maybe you were deeply involved in your church you knew all the pastors you were tithe every week you were you volunteered you were in a small group um, that loss can be profoundly troubling sure. yeah. um, but if you um, were a maybe a, a you attended church um, you know, every now and then, or maybe just on Christmas and Easter. Um, it's then, less integrated. It, yeah, and it's less mm-hmm. integrated into your life, then certainly that could be a really liberating feeling. And, and, and really, it can feel liberating for the first group of people, too, in many ways. Right. Um, okay. To not feel like they there's um, uh, a moral code that they have to be strictly abide by at all hours of the sure. day. That can be really liberating that as well. That can feel kind of freeing. Yeah. yeah. I think I've seen that, too. Um, depending on the level of integration pre-deconstruction, it kind of determines how difficult this process is going to be. I also noticed that the beginning months of deconstruction seem to be the hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, just completely disorienting, a complete um, lens shift, and that seems really difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this grief piece is really a large piece. Um, some anxiety, some depression. Um, any other things that you see that come up for people? I think, um, you know, this, uh, for many people who their spiritual and religious belief weren't just an individual thing, but they grew up in a family that raised them in this environment, mm. um, going through a faith transition can also feel very lonely, mm. um, especially if they're, if you're not seeing any um, of your family members asking the same questions yeah. or processing through the same um, kind of spiritual dilemmas. And so... Oftentimes it can feel very isolating, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, and we can be tempted to stay isolated. I think for two reasons. One, um, there can be a sensation that oh my gosh, um, I've been unplugged from the matrix, mm-hmm. or I now see this reality, mm-hmm. and I don't want to bring anyone else into the uncertainty that I'm feeling. Sure. Um, I don't want to drag my friends into this. I don't want to poke holes in their spiritual belief. You know how painful it is. You don't want to bring anyone else along. Exactly. And so we can isolate ourselves as a means of almost in the name of protecting Mm -hmm. people that we love. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think that's really well intentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing I think that keeps us isolated could be... um, the response that we fear we may get, right? Mm-hmm. And many people who are in faith communities um, find it difficult to talk about doubt. 
okay. find it difficult to talk about uncertainty. Yeah. Um, their answers or solutions may feel canned or, you know, just pray about it or you need to read these scripture sure. or you need to believe this right thing. And um, sometimes that can commu- be communicated to people with a lot of anxiety mm. um, as people are have fears of their friends or family members like the phrase would be walking away from the faith right yeah yeah that feels i would feel so largely misunderstood in that Mm -hmm. yeah if i'm going through this big trial and this deconstruction and someone's offering me apologetics or Mm -hmm. you know it's really you want a hug (laughs) or someone to listen to you yeah it's like i see that yeah and i would just say if you're Mm -hmm. listening to this podcast because you have a friend or a friend member who is going through deconstruction um perhaps the best thing that they need in that space is a hug Mm. um and that it doesn't I, so much of what I experience with my clients is it doesn't feel good to be in this place mm-hmm. that that people aren't excited to lose their sense of groundedness um, about what they believe and who they are and what's around them. It's completely disorienting. It's very disorienting and very troubling. And so if you're worried about someone who you feel like um, uh, has strayed from your faith, um, perhaps the best thing that you can give them is just a hug and a listening mm-hmm. ear. And trusting that um, that that uh, that this too is a part of their journey. That perhaps this is a necessary part of their journey. Yeah, I think that's great. And would you say that um, there's a little bit of a a sense of an identity loss in this too? So not only are you losing like maybe your beliefs about God um, or this community that you have been a part of, but also like a sense of yourself. Yeah, I, I think. Absolutely. You know, I, as I kind of said in the beginning, um, we, people who have, who have that close relationship with God seem to also have this idea that God is always guiding them, mm-hmm. that, that all the steps of their path are being directed. Sure. Okay. And so um, losing that sense of direction or feeling like you're being directed can be incredibly disorienting and troubling. Um, and, you know, if, if, it can happen very, you know, I can't tell you, um, people in our offices are deacons, they're pastors mm-hmm. themselves, they're volunteers, right? right? And right. so, so you know, maybe they have an, some sort of official label at their mm-hmm. church. Oh, gosh, um, and okay. so losing that, or or if they're a father and their their identity may have been like the spiritual head of the household. Right. And to lose that sense so of identity layers. or title yeah. can be very troubling. Let's just stick with this subjective experience of having your beliefs, which you were once so certain of, change suddenly. So depending on your personality or temperament, that can be really scary and distressing. Um, What would you say, Matt, that we can do in the midst of that to take care of ourselves? This is a question, right? I think um, this is almost the heartbeat of of, of this podcast, is what do we do when we're in these places Mm. to take care of ourselves well? And I think... Whenever we talk about distressing experiences, before we do anything else, we always want to lean into self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'll just use my own name in this, but you can substitute your own. You may even just want to take a second and place your hand on your heart and close your eyes and, um, and say your own name. Say, Matt, this is really hard. And there's actually some cool psychological studies being done when we speak to ourselves in the third person. It's like an attention-grabbing stimuli in our head um, that can kind of activate um, some of the more um, active parts of our brain that are problem-solving. And so um, to say, you know, 
to first validate and say, Matt, this is really hard. And Matt, you can get through this. Mm-hmm. You can do this. Yeah. Can be a really grounding experience to have. And so, when, but I'll just go back. Whenever we go through these distressing circumstances, anxiety, grief, depression, loss, we always want to start with self-compassion. Hmm. I love that. I think that just sounds just so compassionate. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, some other things that we can do, of course, is, is to, you know, we talked a lot about this, this sense of feeling alone or isolated. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't recommend enough finding someone who you can talk to about this. Mm-hmm. And this can be a trusting friend, um, a trusting family member, and we underline those words, trusting. Mm-hmm. Of course, a therapist or even a spiritual director. We're big fans of spiritual directors here at Soul Care House. And if you ever want to email us, we have plenty of recommendations within the San Diego area, um, or at least e- even outside the San Diego area. Perhaps we can put you in touch with one, and they and they have some recommendations if you're out of the area. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes they can kind of get in the... Uh, a little bit more messy of the theological components and as therapists we like to kind of stay in our lane um, as mental health providers and not kind of dive into the more theological complexities but spiritual directors are trained to do that and they have also some kind of therapeutic um, tones to them as well. Sure yeah and I wonder if it would be helpful um, just to normalize that deconstruction is just such a normal process mm-hmm. um, on the faith journey and that you're not alone in this. And historically, de- deconstruction has just been a part of life. Questioning norms and traditions isn't new and you're not alone. And actually, this is maybe this deconstruction time, one of the most transformative times in your journey. Yeah, I think, you know, if you come from a Christian background, you don't have to look that far in the past to see a ton of major movements within the Christian faith tradition, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that's from Catholicism to Protestantism or from one Protestant denomination to the next. There's the the Christian tradition, you know, we kind of live in such a short, you know, we have 70 years of life or 90 years of life, whatever, but but, um, across the thousands of years that Christianity has existed, it's always transforming and changing. And the Christianity of today looks way different than the Christianity of a thousand years ago. And so while it can feel like this is the, you know, the, the ultimate truth that we live in now, actually the Christianity that we've even been a part of our lives may be very different from the Christianity mm-hmm. of the past. And so I would say that the transition that you're in now may be another just part of that um, evolution or change within your own journey. Um, yeah. And what would you say to someone who came in and they were thinking, you know, I'm, it can feel, as you've mentioned before, it's just shattering to go through this. And sometimes people feel like it's going to just last forever. Mm-hmm. How would you address that? I think it's good to just remind ourselves that this too is a part of our journey, right? Mm-hmm. That like, um, we haven't, because we have these doubts or these fears, that doesn't mean that we have taken this massive deviation from you know the narrow path right Mm -hmm. like maybe um you're still on a path you're still on a path you're still on a journey Mm -hmm. um and this is just the next phase of it and it was very unanticipated Mm -hmm. and no one warned you about Mm -hmm. it and maybe you had never heard about before or maybe you had but in that place that you were in you thought those people were falling away from the faith sure and now it's happening to you um and so to see people who have gone before you in these difficult faith tra- transitions, um, I think can be really grounding. And um, Richard Rohr talks about kind of three phases of spirituality of order, disorder, reorder. Mm. 
And um, when we go through deconstruction or spiritual transitions, really what we're talking about, the move from order to disorder. Hmm. And where you know, we had a coherent worldview, and now that is very incoherent, and we don't know what to believe anymore. Hmm. But to trust the process that there is reorder on the other side of that. And okay. it might look differently than the initial way of order, the way you ordered your life, but there is a sense of groundedness that you will arrive to. Mm-hmm. We just have to get through this dark night of the soul. I love that. Yeah, I've also heard Richard Rohr talk about that um, disorder phase as the transformative alchemy of faith, and I think that's just a beautiful, beautiful. way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. You're going to land somewhere. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about um, feeling misunderstood by our friends and family, which is a large part of this process. They may notice that we're drifting away or have genuine concerns for us. What are things to remember as we're interacting with our friends and family who may not totally understand what we're going through and express some sort of concern? Yeah, I think this is a really common experience. And, you know, in essence, you were a part of a tribe and then you left the tribe. And now the Mm -hmm. tribe looks back at you and says... Where did you go? Like, why aren't sure. you in the tribe anymore? Why don't you believe the things we believe anymore? Why don't you do the things we do anymore? And I think what it's important to realize is that, um, in large part, those people who are communicating those concerns have nothing but positive intentions for you, right? Mm. They see the world through this coherent worldview where they're, they're concerned for you, that um, they're concerned for your life in the here and now, and they may be concerned for your life after you after sure. you die, um, because and and so I think to view their anxiety, which may not be expressed in helpful ways at all, mm-hmm. right? It can be very disturbing, right? To have people maybe quote scriptures at you or tell you that you're off the path, right? To 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 remind yourself that the intentions of these people are good, even though feeling misunderstood really hurts. Yeah. Um, but to see that the heart behind what they're saying um, may come from care and concern for you. Sure. And I think that when, just as humans, when we're really scared or nervous about something, it makes it much harder to grasp empathy or Mm -hmm. understanding. And so they may just be a little disconnected from that because Mm. of their own fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I think, you know, we're going to keep emphasizing this, Mm -hmm. finding someone outside of that, who, who you feel like can hold your process and not give you anxious pleas for you to return to the tribe, right. but just let you be in whatever place you're in yeah. is going to be so profoundly important. That's great. Um, How do you feel about um, boundaries around this topic? Yeah, I mean, certainly we want to share what we're going through with people who we feel like can hold it in a non-anxious way. And so it is okay not to talk about your process with people who you don't feel like can hold it in a um, loving and compassionate way. I think that that can be really tricky for people because I think that you know, oftentimes the ones that you want the most understanding from are your family or your close friends. And so you may plead to them or, or express what you're going through in a lot of hopes that they're going to give you that understanding that you need. And I think it can be just really disheartening for people when that's met with resistance. Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, we come back to this is why this is a grief issue. Yeah. Is there is a loss. And mm-hmm. it's not just between 
you and God or you and your former way of believing, but there could be a loss of the closeness that you may have felt with your friends and family at one point, feeling really misunderstood in this area. Okay, Matt, let me give you a scenario and you tell me what you would recommend. Okay. Okay, so person X was a devoted churchgoer for years. They volunteered, they were in small groups, they knew the pastors personally, tithed, and loved their church. Recently, they were exposed to a different way of thinking that causes them to doubt so much of what they thought was absolute truth. So now when they go to church, they don't enjoy the music, they can't help but question every other word the pastor says, they find many norms that they never previously questioned as odd. But because of their devotion to church, that's where they found their community. They wake up on a Sunday morning and they feel no urge to sit through another service. Yet, they also have a profound feeling of loneliness. What can they do? Wow. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, that's you, I'm sorry. Um, that's really, really hard. And um, before you do anything else, I would just reiterate the self-compassion that we talked about earlier of just validating that that's a really hard experience. Um, you know, I think uh, it's okay to um, still engage in practices that are life-giving to us, even mm-hmm. if we don't take um, the whole package, right? And so if community at church is a big part of your life that you really enjoy and find a lot of connection with, then I would say don't let that go. Hmm. Um, so keep going to church. Yeah, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay. Um, now, if you feel like the church service is distressing to the point that it is is really um, you'd really rather not be there, um, then I think you can be generous with yourself and what you do. And, you know, having known and having some friends who are pastors personally, I think a lot of them would say that the church is there for wherever you're wherever you're in need. And so um, I have one friend who drops his kids off for Sunday school in the morning and um, then talks with his friends who are there, and he's just not at a place where he wants to sit through a church service. And so he goes... Um, to a coffee shop during the during the service, and then comes back after the service end, picks his kids up, and then has community and and, and talks and socializes with his friends who go to that church. And um, you know, maybe there's some pastors who are listening right now who are just saying, "Please don't encourage people to take advantage of our Sunday school ministry." Sure. Um, but uh, but I think uh, many more would mm-hmm. say, "Whatever you know, the church is there for whatever, wherever you need it to be." Um, at that place on your journey, and That's so great. I think it's okay to 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 not throw the baby out with the bathwater and 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 cling to the things that are still really helpful for us, okay. while still kind of giving ourselves freedom to let go of things that may be distressing for us. Okay, okay. Yeah. So if in that moment, what's most organizing to you is to go be around community, and that feels really good for you, then you would encourage that, even if you don't align with all the tenets of the church. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so easy to split and to be black and white about our actions and behavior and to be all or nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, some would say that we never really land in our our spirituality and that we're always in process. Um, That even before when we felt the sense of certainty, we were in process Mm -hmm. then and that we're in process now and we will continue to be in process Mm -hmm. for the rest of our lives. And um, so just holding that and and giving ourselves permission to be in all the spaces that we are and not split not say okay i'm totally done with this thing forever i'm no i'm never going back to church i'm not going to associate with anyone i don't want anything to do with that that might be a bit um i don't want to say dramatic but that might be a bit um 
Yeah, maybe it's just dramatic. Okay. <laughs> that might be a bit too much. That might not be the best. That might be an overreaction to start. Maybe give yourself some, some time okay. to integrate all these new changes in your life before you make big decisions about what you want to do with your community. That's great. Okay. And do you have any recommendations for anyone who... Um, maybe is looking for a community that they can relate with outside of their church that might be going through the same process? Yeah, I think, um, you know, more and more you're seeing these communities pop up of people who would call themselves deconstructing Christians or post-Christian or progressive Christians. Um, and so some great resources online, if you haven't heard of them, the Liturgist Podcast is kind of the big major hub of this. They have their own uh, Facebook group. Um, they have a Patreon page. Um, they do events around. And it's really a place for people who don't quite necessarily feel at home in the traditional Western church to talk about the ways in which they're doubting, um, the ways in which they're wrestling with their spirituality. Um, that can be really grounding. Um, I know there's some interfaith churches around the area mm-hmm. that you can look into that don't necessarily hold to one doctrine or the other, but they just uh, welcome anyone who's on any sort of spiritual journey, regardless of the traditional background. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, certainly, I think a large number of people find their community within books, and there's some wonderful authors. Mm-hmm. We, re- we recommended Richard Rohr earlier. Um, Rachel Held Evans is another great author. Sadly, she passed away recently, but... Mm-hmm. Um, her book, Searching for Sunday, is um, kind of continues to be um, very helpful for people who um, are in a space of doubt or, mm-hmm. or, or, or frustration with what their spiritual journey has been Great. recently. Yeah. Matt, is it okay to keep our old spiritual practices even if we don't totally believe what we once did, like prayer and scriptures? Yeah, I think anything that get, provides you a sense of feeling grounded and um, releases senses of anxiety or makes you feel connected to something bigger. I think research has shown has positive um, health consequences um, hmm. that, that regardless of what you believe about God or the afterlife, prayer has been shown to reduce anxiety. It's been linked to better sleep. It's been linked to better self-esteem. Hmm. And so um, engaging these practices does help us um, regardless if, if, of, of what we believe, where the prayers are going, or who's on the other end of them, the, um, ex- the experience and practice of prayer can be really beneficial. That's great. Okay, and what if those practices just no longer feel congruent with us? Um, do you have any suggestions for replacements that we could do to keep our spirituality, but maybe not in that same way? Yeah, you know, I think... Um, there is a lot, and I, I think that you know many people have found a sense of spirituality by doing things like meditation, um, yoga. Um, even this may sound odd to people, but I've heard some good experiences from sensory deprivation tanks, the float mm-hmm. tanks, um, where um, people can go into, and you may want to Google that and see what that's about. Um, really, I would just say stay close to mystery, mm-hmm. because I think spirituality and mystery can be synonymous in a lot of ways. Um, again, regardless of what we believe about God, or what happens after we die, there is so much we don't know about this world and this universe. And um, uh, science is always finding new things um, that we don't know um, and that we're unsure of. And so um, staying close to that and kind of being in a posture of being in awe of this universe, um, in, in awe of creation, in awe of consciousness, that's so much of what meditation is, of just what our minds are capable of doing and what consciousness is, um, can feel very synonymous with spirituality and give us that same sense of awe and wonder um, that we had um, in our 
uh, in our faith practices. I love that. Beautiful. Okay. Any last words of encouragement you would give to anyone listening to this who's just struggling with a lot of these themes of grief and loss and anxiety? Uh, yeah, you know, I would just um, emphasize the idea that, like, this too is your journey. And oftentimes we can get dualistic and say we were on a journey, and then when deconstruction happens we say we've just fought, there is no journey, mm-hmm. right? And I think that if you can, um, if you can reconceptualize your process as saying, this is just the next step of your journey. And this is a step that you never could have anticipated or never could have predicted, right? Um, but to say, to ground yourself in the fact that like you're going to grow from this, you're going to learn from this, and that there is a process from disorder to reorder. Um, you just have to keep pushing through um, the dark night of the, that soul. I think um, Winston Churchill said the quote, he said, um, if you're going through hell keep going. Hmm. And I think um, that's what this can feel like for so many people is just being in this place of hell, of just not knowing which way is up anymore. Um, and I would just encourage you to keep going. And if that means hmm. coming to see one of us at Soul Care House, we'd be happy to walk alongside you during this. If it means seeking out a spiritual director, that's wonderful. Um, we can't speak highly enough of some of the spiritual directors around town. Um, and always, always integrating self-compassion into whatever you do. And taking time for self-care, taking time to be in nature, taking time to ground yourself um, in, in, in self-compassion, self-validation, things like that, I think will be your best friend in this journey. That's great. Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate your insight. Thanks, Kel. Thanks for having me.